joining us now, as promised, I'm pretty sure Roddy Jones was personally responsible for making sure that, A, the ACC Network launched properly last Thursday. B, the ACC Network has, I think it's five straight over three days, ACC football games exclusively on the ACC Network. And let's just give them credit for making sure that ACC teams are in other spotlights all weekend long, from Louisville hosting Notre Dame on Labor Day evening to Florida State against Boise State in Jacksonville on Saturday night. That's also an ESPN game. Duke, Alabama, UNC, South Carolina. We haven't made him commissioner just yet, but welcome back, Roddy. How are you? PG, I appreciate it, and uh, even though I did not have a hand in any of it, <laughs> I will I will accept responsibility for all of it. So you're you're all welcome. <laughs> Is that how it worked when you played at Georgia Tech? <laughs> I have a Something feeling co like coaches were not quite as understanding as a, a sports radio host can be. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fun follow on Twitter at Roddy Jones twenty. We all believe that we know who's going to win some of these games. You know, Clemson over Georgia Tech. I think most would be surprised if, you know, ECU shocked NC State, for example, in a game that I think you have with West Durham and Eric Wood uh, on Saturday afternoon. Who has the most at risk in your eyes this weekend? Is it like a Willie Taggart at Florida State against a Boise State? Uh, or is it somebody else as you look at uh, a schedule that even includes three ACC versus ACC games, which we don't see very often in week one? We don't, but this is the excitement of, of the network launching. This is the excitement of what we've come to in college football. I mean, with the ACC network launching, there is a demand for conference games early in the schedule. So you get some great matchups early. I mean, Virginia going to Pitt in a huge game uh, that's going to have ramifications throughout the season in the Coastal Division. And, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of a, a – it'll be a great story if Virginia is able to, to win the Coastal Division because, in my opinion, if they're able to do it, they will have had to – they will have had to beat Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. They haven't beat Pittsburgh at Heinz Field at all. Pittsburgh's 4-0 at Heinz Field, and Bronco Mendenhall hasn't beat Pittsburgh either. They've got to beat Pittsburgh at the beginning of the year, and then they've got to beat Virginia Tech at the end of the year. Uh, which they haven't done in 15 years. So, so it's kind of a, a very poetic season for Virginia if they're able to win the Coastal, and especially if they're able to start exercising those demons that they have at Pitt and, at, and, and against Virginia Tech. So that one's a huge one to me. Um, I look at the Virginia Tech-Boston College game as a huge one because of the, the, the conference ramifications as well, uh, because Boston College has the type of offense at least the pieces on offense returning that, that if you want to flirt with Boston College getting above that seven-win mark, this feels like a good year to start doing it. And, and Steve Adazio feels really good about that, uh, about that team. But if you get outside of the conference, uh, I, look at, I look at two games. You know, there's a lot of talk being, coming around the, the, uh, the Syracuse game going to Liberty because Liberty can score the football. That one doesn't scare me a whole lot. I, I, think, I, think, uh, I think Syracuse is going to be able to win that pretty handily. Uh, I look at Wake uh, hosting Utah State, and then I look at Florida State against Boise State, yeah. the two games where you've got the most to lose. I think Wake has a chance if they get past Utah State, they get Rice. Uh, North Carolina, Elon at BC, Louisville, Florida State before they get NC State at Virginia Tech and Clemson. I think Wake has a chance if they get through Utah State to be 4-0 going into Boston College. That game's in Chestnut Hill, but if you get past that, you've got a bye week before you play Louisville and Florida State. So you can legitimately be looking up in week nine and have a Wake team 
that's seven and zero going into NC State, and and can you imagine? I mean that 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 NC State game will be a toss up game. Uh, then you're at Virginia Tech, which who knows what we'll get out of Virginia Tech. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility. If you want to dream, and you're a, if you're a Wake fan, you could be nine and zero going to Clemson uh, in, in the middle of November. So so I think Wake is the team that if they win this Utah State game, they can be propelled on. Uh, and then Florida State uh, with with. Uh, Boise State to start the year, and then at Virginia in week three, you can't lose both of those games. You have to go one and one of those. And if you lose this game to Boise State, you're going up to Virginia in, in, against a really good Virginia team, and that could that could be a really, really tough game uh, in a muscling situation. Roddy Jones is joining us. Back in the day, he was the team captain and an outstanding running back at Georgia Tech. Nowadays, an analyst on college football for ESPN and the brand-new ACC Network. On Twitter, he is at Roddy Jones 2020 Jordan Love, the Utah State quarterback, is the source of a creative promotion by that school. My wife makes fun of me, Roddy, because long ago I started putting my home address on these various media lists. So if I vote in this award or that award, weird stuff shows up at the house, and Maria is like, what is this now? Like, she's used to it being a little notebook with a cute little picture or a catchphrase or a bumper sticker. There were mints delivered to my house by Utah State supporting apparently the best offensive player in the Mountain West Conference, quarterback Jordan Love, who is visiting Wake Forest this Friday night on the ACC Network. Did you get the Jordan Love heart-shaped mints? Uh, how did they taste? And what else do you know about these teams? I, I don't follow the Mountain West closely enough, but Utah State and Boise State, opponents of Wake and FSU, are supposedly the two best teams in that league. So you, that just kind of underlines what you said earlier. Yeah, and, and, and so, so the, the funny thing about it is neither one of those teams even won the league last year. Right. Fresno State did. They beat Boise State in overtime. So, so I think Fresno will, will sit there and say, hey, look, you know, we're, we're the champs. We got the belt. Um, but these other two have, have a lot of hype around them. I did get the mints. I did not paste them. Those, those sort of like heart-shaped, chalky, like Valentine's Day yeah. candies, that, it's not my bag, man. I'm, I'm avoiding them. Uh, and, and the other thing I'll say is uh, UCF did this with Mackenzie Milton sending out, out and they yeah. sent out Lays, which was actually pretty cool. Like, I thought that was a good idea. This one's just kind of – I mean, it's fine. Uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the notebook and the mints, I guess. But – but uh, but I would prefer I'd prefer something a little a little more a uh, little more unique to like Utah or something like that. But I, I, but respect, I don't know. So I respect the heart shaped mints given the Jordan yeah. Love last name. I don't think I, do I like got that. the. Did you say the, the Hawaiian style lay? Is that what the other promotional thing was? Is that yeah. what? You... So so Mackenzie Milton. I don't know if it was last year or two years okay. ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. McKinsey yeah. Milton. Had the uh, had the lays That's a, a couple of years ago yeah. that yeah. that that they came out with because of the fact that he's from Hawaii and 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 they did the one zero uh, with with uh, Ohana you know How could I forget family yeah. so so yeah it was it was pretty cool but but in terms of those two teams I mean they're really good teams you look at Utah State and Jordan Love is the headliner uh, but they've got some stuff to figure out they only returned two starters on offense mm. from a year ago Jordan Love and one offensive lineman. So they're trying to figure out who's around Jordan Love. Now, if you, if you are, are, have followed them at all or watched them at all, Jordan Love did a lot for that offense. I mean, he, he could very well be the third quarterback off the board come this year's NFL draft after Tua Tungo-Vailoa and Justin Herbert. So, so you're talking about a really good player. 
Uh, but they also lose their head coach. I mean, Matt Wells goes from Utah State to Texas Tech. Gary Anderson comes in, who had previously been at Utah State. So, so uh, you know, we like to talk about Utah State as being, uh, you know, the team from a year ago, and they were a really good football team. But that was a, it's a football team that's going through a lot of transition. So, so I like Wake Forest in the, in the game. The Boise situation scares me a little bit more. Obviously, Brian Harson has been there for a number of years now, and he's he's continued the culture that 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 has been set for years and years and years. This is a football team that's built itself and its reputation off of rising to the occasion. You know, put the ball down wherever, we'll play you. That's kind of the mentality they've had. Uh, they've got to replace a great quarterback in Brett Ripien. They've got a really good freshman quarterback that's going to start for them, uh, and Brady Hockmeyer. So so. They have some talent. They've got everybody coming back on the offensive line. They've got a lot coming back on defense. I think there's there's got some real talent on that defensive front. So Florida State's offensive line issues from a year ago will be tested and challenged in that Boise State game because they're going to bring some talent on the defensive front, and you know they're going to play hard. So if there's any sense that Florida State is not interested, uh, Boise is going to come and hit you in the mouth. So Florida State better bring their A game. I don't know if you caught this on social media after Florida beat Miami last week, but there was a little bit of an, I don't know if uproar is too strong of a word, after Miami's offensive coordinator, Dan Enos, meets with the media after the Gators won that kind of ugly, low-scoring game against the Canes, and he's asked about his redshirt freshman quarterback, Jaron Williams, and he both complimented him and criticized him publicly. Like, you played at Georgia Tech. I could picture Paul Johnson or somebody else behind closed doors blistering a guy for something he didn't want to see. Most coaches don't share all of that publicly, and apparently Dan Enos did. I never played at a high enough level to to sort of deal with these dynamics in my sport of baseball. I had the tougher coach who was in your face and would call you out in front of your teammates for this or that. Um, but but this is a different level, and apparently some people thought the Danny-ness of Miami went too far. Uh, what is your bottom line with stuff like that? Can a, Should a coach keep all of it or almost all of it sort of behind the curtain, or at the college level do you become fair game for more blunt and honest answers because, you know, we're all asking coaches for, for more candor and less uh, coach speak? I've got no problem with what Dan Enos did. Uh, he, he probably shared more than a typical coach does, you know, calling out individual things like five of the 10 sacks were on Jared yes. Williams. That's yes. something that we don't typically see uh, from a coach. But but it, as long as he's telling Jaron that in the meeting room, I don't care what he says to the media. As long as it's not different, if the message is consistent, right. however it's delivered, deliver it. And And I actually enjoy it. I mean, after that game, we looked at it. I think most people looked at it and said, man, you were sacked sacked 10 times and you didn't turn the ball over at all. Uh, Completion percentage was pretty decent. You threw for a touchdown. Uh, You had a chance to throw for another one if a guy hangs on to it. Man, Jaron Williams is the man. And the offensive line is terrible. And that's just not true in football. Football is such a complicated game that we – and we have to oversimplify it when we talk about it. But but sometimes you lose some things. And and so I have no problem with Dan Eno saying, hey, look, Jaron's got to be better. Because – and I think think the best statement that he made in that – in his press conference was, we have a standard 
of what it is to play quarterback at the University of Miami. And I'm going to hold Jaron to that standard no matter what people are outside saying. So, so when you have the world patting your quarterback on the back in a loss, putting all the blame on the offensive line, I think to publicly come out and say that, not only does it give some – I mean, think about how those offensive line feel hearing that. Like, oh, my goodness, thank gosh, somebody, one of the coaches is standing up for us. You know, th- think about what, what he was saying and how the, how the running backs will feel. When they hear, like, hey, now, now the world knows that there were a couple of those that may have been on you guys, you know? This, yeah. A situation where a running back is supposed to get out in the flat in a pass route in man-to-man and the linebacker is going to come with them, that's a guy that can no longer rush. But if that running back hangs around, it can cue a linebacker to trigger it. And that's a person that you don't have accounted for in your protection, which can lead to a sack that looks like it's the offensive line, but it's really the running back because he didn't run a route. So, so it is more than just the, the offensive line. It, it's on your quarterback sometimes. It's on your running back sometimes. I got no problem with it at all. The people that are upset about it, man, come on. He's playing yeah. quarterback at the University of Miami, a pro sports town. He's going to be treated like a pro sports town. If you can't handle being criticized a little bit, it wasn't even like a lot of criticism. It was just really telling the truth. You can't handle that in the media. You need to go play quarterback somewhere else. And for those who didn't see it, I also liked that, whereas, as Roddy said, Danny Enos spoke more candidly, more publicly than you see 90-plus percent of the time. When people were sending me, like, the worst quotes, you know, Jaron blew this and Jaron missed that and Jaron was responsible for half of the – I looked up all of the quotes. And when you look up all of Danny Enos' quotes, and this is where my bottom line is similar to Roddy's, he both complimented – five different things that Jaron did while criticizing those other things. And he painted the big picture. He's like, man, I got a redshirt freshman away from home against the number eight team in the nation with some NFL talent on defense, you know, being handed the keys to the UM machine. That's tricky circumstances. So those who overreacted the most, I think, failed to include, you know, the rest of that diatribe uh, that Dan Enos mentioned on his and, uh, and young DG, quarterback. That- yeah. That's what that's what coaching is. Yeah. That's what we want yes. out of our coaches. You want you want the compliments, but you want the criticism as well, so that you can get better. So I had no problem with it. It was actually it was refreshing. I loved it, and, and I would encourage anybody uh, throughout college football season, and and really throughout like any any time you hear a soundbite, look up the press conference, hear the full thing, get the context, look up the the the, the notes of what was said, look up the full transcript. Get the context because it's completely different when you put it in context. Well done. I'm looking forward to these games, man. I saw a number. Only six ACC schools are starting the same quarterback who started the majority of the games last year. And Roddy circled Virginia Tech, BC, and UVA Pitt. Guess what? Those four all fit that description because you've got Ryan Willis of Tech against Anthony Brown of BC. You've got Bryce Perkins of UVA against Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh. So those are four of the six. Once again, starting a guy that we've seen uh, start a lot of games in the past, man, it is a great stretch for the ACC network and for the ACC as a football league. Roddy, thank you for your time. As always, you know, we'll be harassing you all season long, like the running back that you are. We're a charging outside linebacker at your legendary running back all year long. Well, you, you guys you guys don't hurt nearly as much. <laughs> uh, so, so feel free, man. I love coming on. Thank you very much. Roddy Jones, he's a lot of fun on Twitter, at Roddy Jones 20 He is outstanding on ESPN and the ACC Network as well.